Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. So, speaking about being a professor forever, the students have returned to school at the university where I used to teach. I'm in touch with many of them. I am in touch with many former students as well as former colleagues. So, I know a little bit about what's going on. It makes me think about what I would be doing this first week of classes. So this episode is going to be about something that I created, a lesson plan to help my students' writing skills. I created it and I deployed it and I'm going to take the challenge on of trying to explain it to you today. I feel like anyone who wants to strengthen or tighten up or revamp or rethink or polish their writing skills could benefit from this little type of activity that I created for my students. I remember a professor, a tenure-track professor, coming up to me a couple of years ago. He had visited one of my classes, and he saw a lot of active participation. And he asked me, how do you do that? Well, it's kind of a difficult skill to pass on. But what I said to him was, you have to be authentic from the very moment you start. You have to show your students that you want them to express their opinions, no matter what they might be. You have to be genuinely interested in what they have to say. Almost more interested in what they have to say than what you have to say. I don't know if he ever took that suggestion, but that is what has worked for me. So this little activity that I created really only works in a classroom where you have already bonded with the students and they trust you. They trust you enough to make mistakes. They trust you enough to seem silly to their peers. For me, this would take about a week. So probably at the beginning of week two, is when I would bring out this handout. And speaking of a handout, so this is the challenge for me today. You can't see the handout that I used. And so it's kind of like the challenge for a poet, right? You want to get across information. 
and in an artistic way, but you don't have the benefit of a visual aid. So you have to draw a picture in listeners' or readers' minds. So I'm going to try to explain to you this activity. It was called Primer for Punctuation as a Writing Comprehension Tool. The beginning of the handout talks about the evolution of writing and how speaking was the primary communication tool for eons before writing ever appeared. So this activity will help students and anybody who wants to learn how to use complex punctuation in a more effective way. It explains about using inflection and pause with punctuation when reading texts aloud because it can help to organize listening. The first benefit you would get from trying to apply these simple rules is you are replicating an original message. So you take a text and you read it as if you were the mind of the person writing down the sentence, phrase, paragraph, text. So you are speaking this passage as they were thinking of saying it. Second, it does help clarify the intended meaning of a phrase, sentence, paragraph for a reader because once you understand what pause and inflection can do for a sentence, then the meaning becomes more clear. Okay, so I set up first this little pause grid. And I say to my students, the reason punctuation became a syntactic field is because everybody used to speak and then when people started reading, people did not use pause the same way they did when they were speaking. And some people used pause, some people didn't use pause at punctuation marks. And so the world of reading got larger and larger and so we had to come up with this other system of rules and said, this is how we will use a comma in a sentence. This is how we will use a semicolon, etc." But in my world right now, class, there's just a very small world. And we can actually use pause and inflection as if we were just speaking to each other, speaking ideas. So that's why this can work. I remember one time a student came up to me after I brought this handout to the class and said, well, I don't get this because there's not always a pause when there is a comma. Well, I'm thinking to myself, maybe there should be, but you're right, student. 
But that's not what I'm trying to teach you anyway. What I'm trying to teach you is you put a comma where there's a pause, not a pause where there's a comma. Think about it. It's different. Okay, so first, the pause table. For a parenthesis, there will be no noticeable pause. For a comma, in our little world of speaking and clarifying sentences, there will be a quick pause, about a quarter breath. For a semicolon, there will be a half breath pause. For a colon or an em dash, there will be about a three quarter breath pause. For a period, there will be a one breath pause. Students often shake their heads when I get to that point because I think as elementary school students in America, we were taught to take a breath pause or a second pause, second being a length of time, for an end stop, a period. So I'm just applying pause amounts for other, for other punctuation. A question mark or an exclamation point merits about a second and a half of a pause or breath pause. And an ellipsis about two or more beats, breaths for a pause. So you become the original speaker. And then it has a list of sentences that I would have students practice so they could practice applying the certain amount of pause that they see right above these sentences for themselves. For example, one of the sentences is, if all goes well, we may take an Atlantic cruise soon. Okay, so there was a comma in there at which I made a very slight pause. And then, of course, I made the exclamation with my inflection. Here's another one. Let's paint landscapes today. Next, we'll go with portraits. So that amount of pause was for a semicolon. And of course, there was a slight pause after next. Here's a good one. Turn the TV on. An important show is on. So that pause, which I probably could have made a little longer, applies to the em dash after the word on. Quick note about em dash, which people don't use very often. It's such an awesome mark. It can really save you and save your grammar grade if you happen to be a person who is accused of using sentence fragments. Um, so an em dash is the size of a typed letter M but you can find it on your symbol grid with Microsoft Word. Um, but when you put an M dash into a sentence, it butts, abuts the word before it and the word after it. There's no space. I love that part of that beautiful mark. Okay, so students would be practicing pausing with these amounts for a while. And then we might take um, a moment, 
have them write some sentences with commas and semicolons in them. If they don't feel comfortable doing that, they haven't used a semicolon recently or even in their life. And by the way, I know many a smart person who does not use a semicolon correctly. So I also hand out uh, volumes of issues of The New Yorker, which is a fabulous magazine to teach complex punctuation. I know of no other magazine where the writer's style uses M-dash so much. So they could pick out sentences from a magazine as well. And then they read it to a partner with pause and see if the listener can mark down and then repeat to the speaker where they made the marks, what punctuation goes where. So it would be like comma, comma, M dash, period. And the person who was reading says, correct, or you got two right out of three. Okay, so we do that for a while. So addressing this idea that some writers have never used a punctuation mark that is stronger, I'm going to use the word stronger, more sophisticated than a comma. So what I have done in this instance, and this is the second page of my handout, is add gestures to the pause activity. Because gestures can really help drive home the meaning of a sentence. Here's what I wrote. For various reasons, attention to pause with punctuation has become almost obsolete. But we can still apply these sentence pauses as tools to clarify the tone of the message and to imitate more closely what the original speaker was trying to say. Adding gestures can sharpen the meaning even further. When we follow the signals and apply pause and gestures, it is if we were present when every idea first came into being. Adding gestures to the appropriate punctuation can also emphasize meaning. So another thing that I teach about M-dash when I am starting this activity is an M-dash can be used mid-sentence beautifully. It is an interruption in the idea flow of the sentence. And so I go back to the sentence where I use one that's in the middle, an M-dash that's in the middle, which I call an M-dash sandwich sentence, to give them an example. Here is one. Try to picture this sentence. The room, airier than an open field, made her think of home. Do you see where the two dashes, where the M dash sandwich comes into play? Again, the room, airier than an open field, made her think of home. So, of course, the sentence could just be, the room made her think of home. However, this original speaker had a thought when they were thinking 
the original sentence idea, and that thought interrupted the flow of the sentence with an adjectival phrase, airier than an open field. Ah, so that is where the M dash sandwich would go around that beautiful phrase that interrupts. All right, back to gestures. So now I am teaching them to put a gesture beside the pause for these punctuation marks. Just hang with me here. That's what I'm saying to them, and that's what I'm saying with you. So a semicolon. Oftentimes with a semicolon, I tell them, there is a passage of time. One thing happens, and then a related thing happens. So one thing happens first, and then we have an idea that is associated with that idea that happens next or is secondary. A way that I explain semicolons probably prior to this is if you said the second part of a sentence after a semicolon alone, people would think you were crazy. For example, back to my examples. Hmm, where is one? Hmm, I don't even know if I have one on here. Ah, let's go back to the landscapes one. If I just said out loud, went outside and said, next, we'll go with portraits. Why, that doesn't make any sense by itself at all, does it? That's when you know it has to be hooked on to a, another phrase in some punctuation way. But if I went outside and said the first part of my semicolon sentence, let's paint landscapes today. I might seem crazy for shouting it aloud to whoever would listen, but it makes logical sense. So again, the second part of a semicolon sentence does not make logical sense if said on its own. Okay, back to a semicolon. When we are going to put punctuation pause in for a semicolon, I tell students, and I'm telling you, you make a slight head nod to the left for the first phrase, to the right for the second phrase. If you're going to use an M dash and you're going to read a sentence with an M dash in it to clarify that you're using an M dash even more, let's put a finger on your chin as if you're thinking. Hmm. I think you know that emoji where the emoji has his finger on his, right underneath his lip. Hmm. If there's a colon in the sentence, make an exhale or clap your hands or clear your throat, as in preparation, because that's what a colon is for. Listen to this that I have to say after I begin my sentence, the colon would say. Exclamation, well, if you can't get it by inflection, also move your eyebrows around, furrowed or up or down. And of course, with the ellipsis, eye movement, looking up, 
contemplative, off in space as you trail off with your ellipsis. So this is where the trust with my students really comes in because then we practice sentences not only with the pause, which I have given them a little bit of time to practice, now they are going to also apply these theatrical gestures, dramatic gestures. It's fun. It's fun and it's silly and you can make a fool of yourself and it's great. So the other things that I like to tell them before we start doing the punctuation game, which you can do at home as well. So always apply semicolons between two related independent clauses when we're playing this game. It will give you lots of, you know, there are other ways to use semicolons as some of you know, but right now I want you to have practice using the independent clauses, okay? So that's all you're doing right now. That's the primary way to use a semicolon. Apply commas to the fanboys rule. It is true, now grammar rules have changed and if you have um, a beginning of a sentence, a beginning clause that is two words or less, you do not have to use a comma. That is a syntactic rule. But right now, apply commas to fanboys for practice with the comma and pause. Apply colons to signal an announcement, a list, or further explanation. Use an ellipsis, and we use those sparingly, to show a speaker's hesitation, missing words, or wistful thinking at the end of a sentence. Okay, so now I have them look through the New Yorker for five sentences that apply many of these punctuation marks, or at least two per sentence. They practice them with themselves for a while using gestures and pause, and then they will read it with a partner. You could do it with partners or you could do it with a class. After they get a little better, I have someone come up and read a whole segment of the New Yorker, which they have looked at prior to coming up and announcing, so that they read it correctly and with the correct inflection and correct pause. And then everybody listens and tries to mark down all of the punctuation marks in the excerpt provided. The reader tells them at the beginning how many punctuation marks there will be. So at first they just listen and watch for the inflections and the pauses, trying to match up the correct mark with the correct pause amount and inflection. But then at the end they count to see how many they got. And if they were listening, listening closely, they probably got the right number of punctuations. Oftentimes, what they would miss would be a period, which is also a punctuation that we count. So, that is my primer on basic hierarchy of punctuation, using pause and gesture. So, you could try this yourself. 
If you want to get better at using more complex punctuation in your writing, find an excerpt online or subscribe to The New Yorker, as I would have you do. Um, pull it out and try using the primer, pause, and inflection and gesture that I have mentioned. I hope I've explained this well enough. But you can always send me a message on Facebook or on Instagram. On Instagram, it's the Professor Forever. Why don't you do that? If you would like me to send you a copy of this handout, hit me up on theprofessorforever.com or theprofessorforever on Instagram. And I will send you a copy. But hopefully, you got kind of a sense of what it is I was trying to do. It's a fun game. And I feel like at the end of the semester, most people in my class know how to use a semicolon correctly because we play the punctuation game probably once every two weeks. It's a wonderful way to take off the stress of a recent test or a tough writing assignment. And it's another activity that I use that I don't use too much for a grade. Just try to encourage people to use more complex punctuation. And then, of course, they do win a prize, however, if they win the punctuation game. And then at the end of the semester, I have a huge punctuation game where I read excerpts, and they're very difficult excerpts. And the person that wins that game wins a big prize. What can you give yourself for a prize today? I'm having a pretty good day. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I hope you've learned a lot. I always learn when I talk to you. Insights come to me readily. And I'm so thankful that you're out there listening for that. Until next time, keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me. She's not that fancy She's a professor for